Hi, John. Hi, Sam. Hi, listeners. Welcome to Coffee and Cults, where once a month we drink coffee and talk cults and fringe religious groups from around the world. Please be aware this podcast may not be suitable for all listeners as it contains strong language and graphic or disturbing content. Sounds good, doesn't it? Yeah, I like graphic and... No, don't say that. So, John, for August's episode, my birthday month, if any of you would like to send me presents... (laughs) Happy uh, August birthday, Sam. Thank you. Happy August birthday to any listeners that have that. Anyway. (laughs) Um, So today I'm going to be telling you about a fringe group called Synanon. 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 S-Y-N-A-N-O-N. Coming from the word sin, being together, like synthesis. Oh, I see. Cool. And then anonymous, which is how I wrote it in my notes. Great. Anonymous. Um, So Synanon was founded by a man called Charles E. Dederich, or Diedrich, or something, but we're going to call him Chuck. Are we? That was his nickname. We are. Oh, okay. That was his... We have his permission. Yes. So Chuck was born in uh, 1913. He died in 97, so we don't have his permission, but you know what I mean. Sorry, Um, Chuck. Born in 1913. This is a picture of Chuck that you will be able to find on our Instagram. He... Okay. He doesn't look very jolly, but... No. Chuck wasn't very jolly because Chuck was an alcoholic. Oh, I'm sorry, Chuck. Um, and he... <laughs> do you say, I'm sorry, John, or I'm sorry, Chuck? I said, I'm sorry, Chuck. Okay. <laughs> Sad about hearing about it. Um, so he was a, a really popular speaker at um, AA meetings. So he was from California. So okay, he'd visit right. AA meetings and he'd speak to people and he was magnetic and people loved listening to him speak. Good sign for a cult leader in the future. Right? Yeah. So this is this is when then? The, the 30s, 40s? The, like, yeah, 40s, okay. 40s, 50s. Um, and so big, big speaker at AA meetings in 1957, the University of California were doing testing on LSD. Of course they were. Coming back to LSD. Good old California. Um, and so they were trying to find, they were trying to uh, test the extent of the, uh, responses to LSD. And so they targeted people from AA meetings because these people who people who go to AA have already given themselves over to this higher power of God or whatever yeah. it is. Um, and so they thought they would be more susceptible to the hallucinations and the, like, uh, God feelings God. from LSD. That's such a 50s, 60s thing, isn't it? You, with all those LSD experiments, it's like, oh, these people are slightly crazy. Uh, what should we do for them? Let's give them some LSD. Yeah. Oh, these people were uh, alcoholics. What should we do? <coughs> Let's um, give them some LSD. These people are uh, heroin addicts. You know what they need? Some L- little bit of bonkers. LSD. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so the, he was a part of this research group and um, everyone else in this research group saw hallucinations and all that sort of stuff. Chuck, however, just got a major feeling of omniscience and omnipotence. Suddenly, Chuck Chuck realised that the higher power he'd been looking for all along was himself. Oh, it's like the end of a sappy Hollywood film. The omniscient power was in his heart all along. Yes, exactly. So um, Chuck was looking around at this AA meeting and he was kind of upset with the fact that AA was purely for alcoholics. And he felt like, no, 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 don't laugh. So he felt like drug addicts should have something. Oh, I see. Them. Okay, not like... And there wasn't anything for them. I was going to say, sober people, it's probably a waste of their... We're going to get there. Okay. Um, so he started this group in 1958 called Tender Loving Care. 
that Ooh. accepted I know Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> what is it the word tender that puts you off I don't, yeah there's something about that collection of words that's like Ooh, no. Ooh. Like if, if it was a dating service called Tender Loving, no, you wouldn't want to go no. to that. Tender uh, Loving, that's mm. not. <laughs> Gotta edit this out. <laughs> oh, don't. <laughs> yeah, so he started this group, Tender Loving Care, where he'd um, accept what he called dope fiends. It's the 50s. Dope fiend. Dope fiend. The worst superhero. Um, and this group became really popular because drug addicts needed somewhere to go this was a lovely place for them as I said before everyone loved listening to Chuck speak so Tender Love and Care did really well Um, and later on in 1958 he incorporated it into the Synanon Foundation and the name Synanon came from um, a a drug addict in one of these meetings who tried to say the word synthesis and just got it all muddled up. Oh, okay. He, was... he got it sinner wrong. Oh. Sorry, listener. Um, so, yeah, so that's where he got the name from. He really liked it. Obviously, he thought it was I quite name. like it. Synanon. Synanon. It's good, right? Yeah. Um, so, in, uh, so these meetings started getting bigger and bigger and bigger. In 1959, he bought a big property on the beach in Santa Monica in uh, California. Which sounds lovely. <laughs> Sign me up. Yes. LSD, beach house, lovely. Um, and so it, he, <laughs> he, uh, it became a two-year residential program to, to rehabilitate these drug addicts. So on, in this residential facility, there were uh, coffee, cigarettes, and peanut butter always available. So for you know, if you're giving up <laughs> one, hang place, on, let's let's go, let's go, yeah. let's just go back through those uh, three things, Sam. Just give me those those three things you're allowed again. Coffee, great. Cigarettes, cool. Peanut butter. <laughs> I feel like that was a weird meeting to decide what the three things you always <laughs> allowed were. Protein. Yeah, no, it's very good. I'm not, I'm not knocking it, but you think it would be like peanut butter. Love it. Yeah. Um, What if you've got an allergy? Sorry, that's not helpful. Edit that. Then you can just have bread (laughs) with your cigarettes. Good. Yes. So these, um, this uh, rehabilitation was in three stages. Stage one was you uh, you lived on in the facility and you did community work and housekeeping work. Um, and for the first 90 days, you were not allowed any contact with anyone outside of the facility. Okay. In order to aid your rehabilitation because drug addicts are often friends with other drug users, etc. Yep. So that I'm trying to keep it reasonable at the moment. I was going to say, gonna is, gonna the, go crazy. is this just going to be a heartwarming story of a really effective drug rehabilitation program? No, oh. sorry. Um, so this community work was that they... Um, oh, it's on the other page of my notes. So they had this um, company that made uh, promotional material for other companies, like gimmicks, like ballpoint pens and T-shirts oh, okay. and that yeah. sort of thing. So they had a factory that produced those. Great. Love all that stuff. Give me a free pen. Give them something... To, yeah, I oh, love a free pen. Um, second stage of your rehabilitation was that you live inside the community, but you can work outside the community now. So you can go okay. get a job in a, wherever you want, whatever you're uh, capable of. Don't know why I had to clarify that. Stage, <laughs> stage three is that you work and you live outside the community, but you attend regular meetings inside the community. Okay. That just seems like a healthy way around. 
seems healthy until I say my next sentence, <laughs> which is Chuck kind of thought, actually, you know, these people are never going to be cured. They're always going to be addicts, so they should always stay in the community. Oh, no, Chuck, you uh, were doing so well. Yeah. Okay. No, he noticed people who'd uh, who'd left, who'd um, relapsed in their addiction. Yeah, well, like, yeah, I guess which that happens. happens a lot, doesn't it? Uh, yes, yeah, so he decided that they should always stay. Um, so we're in the early 60s now. Hi, welcome to the 60s. Hey, Mum, welcome to the 60s. Um, um, I've just put on a pair of coloured shades. Um, I've put my hair in a hippie band and I'm making the peace sign to uh, to Sam just to show that we're in the 60s now. He really did do that as well. That was very nice. Thank you, John. I just, I just always have 60s costume on hand for such a moment. Um, so entrance to this community uh, required an interview with the Synanon leadership. Um, and then when you were accepted, you had to quit whatever it was you were addicted to, cold turkey. Wow, okay. So you go through a few days of really horrible stuff, and then they would kind of build you back up with these three stages of community work, etc., etc. And they then started advertising to people who were rich, professionals, who weren't addicts, because their rehabilitation was about leading a self-examined life. Okay through a particular tool that I will tell you about in a second. Is... I don't, I'm not going to ask that question. I was going to say, is that tool LSD? It's not LSD. Oh, okay. We're done with LSD now. Ah. Oh, Sorry. Shame. The last one that I did was quite focused on LSD. That's so we true. can move on from a that. A pattern emerges. Yes. So I'm going to tell you about their uh, research tools, which was mainly through something called the Synanon Game, known as The Game. Awesome. That's not where you uh, lose the game if you uh, remember that you're playing the game. It's no, not that, but we it? did just make all our listeners lose the game. Sorry. Really sorry, everyone. Is that just an English thing? Maybe. We'll find out. Americans, are you aware of the game? Now you are. Sorry. Um, so the game was a, a communal uh, therapy, group therapy tool, which involved, uh, so it would focus on one particular member at a time. Okay. That member would talk about their experience while they were on drugs and any relapse urges that they had and any problems they were going through during their recovery. Doesn't sound like the most fun game ever. No, it gets worse because uh, the only rules of the game were there could be no violence, no threat of violence, and what happens in the game stays in the game. Oh no. So the member would speak out about themselves and then everybody else would be encouraged to violently criticise this person. So anything that they could think of, they, could, they would swear at them, scream at them, abuse them, pick up on their biggest weaknesses, anything you didn't like about that person, you would say Ooh. in the game. Um, you humiliate them if you saw them doing something wrong in their community work. You'd say, you didn't do that properly. Everyone piling on this one person. I don't want to play this game, Sam. So. No, me neither. I was thinking about what our thing we could do this week. <laughs> it's not going to be that. Oh, let's not do that, no. No. God, why, why, but why call it that? That's such a weird... That already sounds, in terms of like the cult thing, about like weird names for things that are horrific. Yes. But it's given a fun showtime... Wow. Because we've got a despotic leader. Yeah. A megalomaniac. I guess so. Um, it reminds me a bit... 
we've had a conversation before about a certain type of drama school training that's a bit like that. Yes, I experienced something quite similar. Yeah, just made time. my little red flag go. Yes. We won't mention the school or practitioner, but yeah, interesting. So a quote from this... Um, from someone who took part in the game was that they were accused of uh, being selfish, unthinking, of being a no-good, ugly, diseased cocksucker who was too weak to go straight and was too much of an asshole, junkie, crybaby motherfucker to admit it. Whoa. So that is the sort of lovely language you could expect from the game. And uh, the goal of the game was for the subject to admit that everything about them was wrong and they needed to change and improve as a person. Oh, God, so it's not even like you just sort of... You let that open you up and you take what's useful and then you just get used to being... It is just like, no, everything that somebody says to you is true. Yep. Whoa. You had the right to reply. You could argue with the person who was abusing you, but you could never win. And if if you felt like you won, you got kicked out. Do you see? John's yeah. confused. No, I'm not confused. I'm looking with like at how do you how do you even develop that as an exercise and go, yeah, yeah this is definitely a positive so, thing. Obviously this was focused on addicts, but as I said before, they were welcoming people who weren't addicts into yeah. this group. So the addicts were known as dope fiends, the other the non addicts were known as squares. Seems weird. It seems like addicts are cool and squares are not cool, but squares are also people without addiction, so Anyway, I'm Surely they should have been a different kind of fiend. Sorry, I burped. Come on. Surely they should have been a different kind of fiend. So you have, you have dope fiends and then what's like a really... Capitalist fiends. Capitalist <laughs> fiends. <laughs> no. Like you get like... um, uh, I'm going to get this wrong now. Norm core? That kind of idea that people who are really hardcore normal as a I subculture it, group. But I'm sure that's a thing. Wow. Maybe it's not. Um, yep, so... Uh, um, so... Um, People who were these other professionals who were brought in were, al- were allowed to take part in the game. They were encouraged to take part in the game. Anyone was welcome to just pop in for the afternoon and join in for a game. <laughs> Do you want to go um, play squash later, Sam? No, John, I'm not really into that. Oh well, we could uh, we could go and uh, we could go and play uh, table tennis somewhere. No, John, I'm not really feeling that. Oh, why don't we go and play the game? Oh, I've just I've just yeah. been feeling so good about myself lately. <laughs> Do you know what I'd really like to do? A little smash of my self-esteem would be tippy top. Yes. <laughs> um, tippy so- top. You you can tell this is a British podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Hi to our American listeners. Sorry, sorry that we've introduced you to the game and tippy top. The, yeah, well, I won't clarify. I'm not going to clarify it. Don't. Um, Never apologise, sir. So there was no hierarchy in the Sinanon game. So the leadership would play on the same level as the you know person who's just in stage one of their rehabilitation. Okay. So they were allowed to criticise the leadership, any leadership decisions that they made that they felt like they were wrong. And then the leaders would then use that to influence further decisions. So okay, you... so that's one of the less culty things that we've heard so far. Sort of, kind of. I mean, the fact that there were leadership still puts it... Yes, right I guess so, but compared to that... You know, like other groups we've spoken about where there's no criticism of the yes. leadership allowed. Yeah. Yeah. So that's an interesting sort of progressive thing. Um, so Chuck, uh, bear in mind, we're in the late 50s, early 60s in America. He actually married an African-American woman who was an ex-sex worker. She was an ex-addict. She was a member of the group and then he married her. So her name was Betty. I like the name. Hi, Betty. You just don't get Bettys anymore, do you? No. Listeners. Your mission, should you choose to accept it. More Bettys in the world, please. Yes. <laughs> um, when when Chuck 
married Betty. Betty brought Betty's game. To- that sounds fun. It was more fun. And okay. basically Betty's game was she preferred everything to be calmer. And so she just wanted kind of quieter conversations where they could really talk about what was going on. So it seemed a bit more like just proper group therapy. Oh, okay. Than rather than just therapy. abuse. I thought it was just me. You then just have to bombard people with really nice things. That would be nice. Oh, wouldn't that be lovely? Let's start a therapy company where that happens. Yes. Yeah. No, we're not qualified for that. Sorry. <laughs> um, outside of the game, members were expected to be polite and civil and lovely to each other at all times, save any problems they had for the game. Oh, for the game. Which must have been really difficult. I was going to say, that doesn't sound healthy, does it? If someone you for a second, you could just go, oh, don't do that. Whereas you've got to hold it in, keep it in. And then let it out in one go every... So how often did they play the game? Regularly. Okay. Yeah. Um, so we're in like the mid-60s now. Hi. 1964 authorities clocked on to this. Okay. To this company. Well, yeah, because I guess it is like unregulated... Yeah, exactly. Care, even for the 60s, yeah. Yeah. So they the uh, methods were unorthodox. The, you know, the people would all you know, have this really particular way about them where they wouldn't, you know, they would, all their criticism, everything would stay inside. So yeah. people who observed them were a bit like, oh, those people are weird. Um, and they bought a couple more properties by this time. So they've got uh, Club Casa del Mar, which was an, uh, used to be a hotel. That's also in Santa Monica. And then they bought a property in Badger in Northern California. Oh, I want to live in Badger. I knew you'd say that, which is why I paused after I finished that sentence. <laughs> You know me too well. And a, a property in Tomales Bay in San Francisco. I don't know where that is, but it's in San Francisco. Great. Um, and these properties uh, had unauthorised airstrips, trash dumps. Oh, uh, wow. So like huge yeah. kind of... Yeah, they, it grew very quickly. So were, were the people taking part paying for the service then? Is that where their money came from? Yes. Okay. Yes. Oh, especially the, the executive professionals, I guess. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, so they yeah they'd pay they pay a portion of their wages in. I couldn't find exactly how much it was, but a decent amount. A decent amount. Yeah. yeah. Um. So by 1967, membership was about a thousand residential membership, about a thousand people. God, that's right over these properties. So many. Yeah, but then lots of people need help and therapy and yeah yeah that's true. That I suppose it speaks in the to US, the scale. There were, lots of cults were getting people in, weren't they? Yeah. Um. Yeah, I suppose it's that searching, that particular period of searching for spiritual things or for new yeah, yeah outlooks on life. Exactly. Wow. Um, so by kind of the mid-60s, they had their own radio station, of course, <laughs> called The Wire. Not to be confused with the TV programme The Wire. <laughs> no. No. Um, and the the game would often be broadcast over The Wire. Whoa! So anyone, any Synanon member, even if you weren't in the room where the game was happening, you could listen to the oh, game. Okay, so it was broadcast within those yes. groups. It wasn't broadcast like externally. Well, on their on the on their radio station. Oh, I like, suppose it's still public, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. What a weird thing to listen. Imagine that on. Uh, and welcome back to BBC Radio Four. Next, uh, you're going to hear don't a think group. Of... <laughs> <laughs> it's like Woman's Hour, but really intense. <laughs> Um, yeah, so this group is growing and growing and growing. Uh, they um, so anyone slacking on their on their uh, housekeeping duties or anything like that would be brought to task by leadership, um, and being given a stiff talking to would be called being given a haircut. 
So to keep it nice, rather than being told off, you were given a haircut. You were given a haircut. Um, Again, so, somehow that's creepier, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Somehow creepier than just saying you're being told off. Yes, that they couldn't just be honest about it. Um, living in there, you do uh, aerobics five times a week to keep you healthy. Oh, I'm out. Okay. <laughs> I, up till now, Sam, I was. This might have been the one that I was going to join, but no, I'm out. No. No, um, and they, it was all about like clean living, that sort of thing. Um, but everything was pretty much there for you. Uh, I read a testimony for um, uh, a lady called uh, uh, Laura Cole, um, and she said like it was like a, it was super fun when you weren't in the game. Everything was lovely, etc. And you just yeah okay um, because everyone was being made to be very civil to each other yeah. around it everything kind of gradually started to close in a bit with the with um authorities watching them that sort of thing everything started to get a bit more prescriptive okay about in about 1970 the haircuts became literal haircuts so well for, that was just inevitable wasn't it yes i didn't hide that very well um so uh, men would have their heads shaved as punishment and women would be made to wear stocking caps to hide their hair, I suppose. Um, Damn it, why can't we have equality and have everyone's hair cut the same way? Yep. So membership is still growing and growing and growing. Uh, members that that was to- irony, by the way. I wasn't suggesting <laughs> <laughs> that. Um, members had to ask elders for permission to date. Uh, and there was really strict dating rituals. So could you date outside of the group, or did you have to... I mean, I'm sure you could, but... But then you've got to date someone who's happy to come and join the game now and again. Yeah, okay. Um, So there were these really, like, chaste dating rituals, whereas previously sex had been quite free. Um, Suddenly there were very strict rules on what stage in your relationship you would be allowed to have sex it always comes to that doesn't it I think every group we've talked about so far yeah has had a weird well lots of weird sex stuff goes on but actually there are really strict rules about it yes exactly that's such a yeah a pattern that hadn't occurred to me really um so they started having they started having what was called glut raids glut like glutton um, glut raids. Glut raids on oh. on uh, people's rooms if they felt they had too many personal possessions. So the the authorities, the synonym authorities, would go in and take all their stuff. Wow. Um, there was a synonym police force that would just patrol and look round for rule breakers. Just casually walking around. I wish, listener, you could see how Sam is acting that out with some excellent, like, shoulder-led strutting. Yep. It's really good. I'm picture. trying to stay still so that I don't have to edit out too many bumping noises. Um, oh, what's this line? Okay. <laughs> uh, they suddenly, Chuck had this idea that there were, you know, there were 24 hours in the day. Why are people only working for 12 hours of them? <laughs> good question, Chuck. I know. So half the residents would work 12 hours while the other half slept. And then the sleeping half would get up and work for the other 12 hours while the working half slept. Oh, God. So, so no leisure time now, then? You get leisure time. You get okay. 12 hours off, but not with the rest of the group. So group A work oh, okay, 9 till 9am and group B work 9pm till 9am and they swap. Yeah. I don't know if they called them group A and group B, but it helped me for my description. <laughs> um, Probably had a really cutesy name given everything else. Ooh, yeah. 
Squirrels so, and badgers. Squirrels and badgers. I don't know. Yeah. Like uh, primary school house teams. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, that's a very English thing as well, isn't it? We've got English listeners. In- Hi, English listeners. We're neglecting you. You understand. Um, so the membership is still growing and growing and growing. We're uh, in the kind of early 70s now. And Chuck, bear in mind, he was born in uh, 1913. He's getting older now. Yeah. Um, he started having some health problems, as you do when one ages. Sorry, Chuck. Um, so Chuck was advised to give up refined sugar and grains. So the group gave up refined sugar and grains. Chuck started losing his hair, so Chuck shaved his head. So everybody shaved Within their head. Within hours, and now I'm showing John a picture. Within hours, this occurred. Ooh, that's a lot of bald head in one go, that which means yes. difficult to get the white balance for on the photo. <laughs> exactly, yep. Um, so everyone, within hours, everyone had either shaved their head or been made to shave their head. Mm. Not everyone did it voluntarily. That's um, really going to fuck up the haircut. How will you know if you've been naughty yeah, or not? Yeah, just a top-up. <laughs> um, Chuck was advised by doctors to give up smoking, so cigarettes were banned. And bear in mind... Damn it, so just coffee and peanut butter now then. Exactly. But bear in mind, these people are recovering from alcohol addiction yeah, or yeah. drug addiction. And often cigarettes are something that doctors will say. Uh, there's a particular drag queen that I follow who uh, is an alcoholic. And they... Follow on Twitter, not just like around. Yeah, yeah. They live in America. I can't follow them in real life. Um, but they, their doctor has said, until you've got over your alcohol thing, just keep smoking cigarettes. Because it's, you know, if you try and give up... Oh, otherwise you're trying you to do... Relapse. Yeah, yeah. Um... When cigarettes were banned, 150 members quit on the spot. <laughs> quit, quit the group, not, <laughs> cigarettes, not cigarettes, not smoking. No, that would have been better. Um, by 1972... <laughs> I really want, uh, you know, like spiritual uh, enlightenment and good living, but oh, what, I have to go out smoking? Nah. Exactly. Great. Um, by 1972, we've got 1,700 live-in residents. Oh, wow, so it's still growing then. Still growing. Uh Something that's helping it grow was that, you know, it's a a rehabilitation facility. So California courts would send juvenile drug offenders to Synanon. Oh, wow. It's like court court mandated rehabilitation. They'd be sent to Synanon. So we've got families, you know, whose parents have, you know, signed up for that. Professionals, not necessarily... Um, addicts, by this time, membership was about 50-50 addicts and non-addicts. Obviously, because it's a, just a community. And a yeah, I, I, community. yeah, I was just processing because that seems so... Yeah. Unhelpful for both yeah. groups. Like, although maybe not, I guess, if you're not just around addicts or if you're not yeah, just you around... Yeah, people live, live well. Maybe, and like, in the compassion-wise, same way. it's useful. Yeah. I guess if you if you were an, an addict, I've never been an addict of drug addict, so I don't know. But if you you know you see someone else living the same life as you without the problems that you're having, yeah, it could be aspirational. I don't know. Um, but children have been raised communally, so they go to the Synanon school. Synanon school. Synanon school. It's quite nice to say, isn't it? It is. Can we just say it one more? T- Sorry, listener. Synanon school. Um. Uh, so by this time. Uh, so residents would be paying monthly dues or working for basically next to nothing okay. um, at this uh, clicky pen 
t-shirt. Oh, I'd forgotten that they're still doing that. So they were the second biggest company in the US that were producing these marketing gimmicks. Wow. 1,700 employees. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's a lot of little stress balls and key rings and... Yep. Clicky nudie pens. I don't know. (laughs) That's that's for our merch, Sam. (laughs) Oh, yeah. No. But but not us. (laughs) No. Someone else. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's any better job. (laughs) Um, And these members would start... uh, Leaving things to Chuck. So a lady uh, left him a million dollars bequest in her will. Another member signed his mortgage company over to Chuck. Uh, his know, whole company? His whole company. Jeez. Lots of little bits like that. Um, they started getting all this money, so Chuck incorporates them into the Church of Synanon. They become the Church of Synanon. Awesome. And then they are exempt from tax. Woo, 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 woo. Kittens, kittens, kittens. Mm. Um, for any listeners who are just joining us now, Kittens is our nickname <laughs> for a company that shall not be named, that may or may not be related to Tom Cruise and John Travolta. And, uh, uh, sorry, my lawyer has just uh, stepped into the room, Sam, to, uh, to to cut you off there. No more kitten talk. Thank you. But that's when we refer to kittens, that who we could possibly be referring to. Um, at his Tomales Bay, San Francisco property, they had a fleet of ships. <gasps> Wow, I want a fleet of ships. Do you? Well, I don't really have time for that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so glad we did that content warning (laughs) on the show. Um, At their badger facility, your favourite. Do they have a fleet of badgers? Uh, Motorbikes. They had loads of motorbikes, trucks, they had an airship, and Chuck had a private plane. Uh, they always get a private plane in the end, don't they? Um, and near the, about um, half a mile away from the Badger facility was where Chuck built Home Place. Home Place? Home well, place, that sounds nice. Which was a luxury mansion with a pool and, I don't know, other lots of luxury things where Chuck and Betty and some of the other Synanon elders lived. So sounds were, delightful. Yeah. Well, the others were in kind of army-style barracks. Nearby. Oh, is that what the other accommodation was like? It was all communal... Well, you've got communal... people to house. Oh, yeah, I guess... You can't yeah, have yes, yeah, luxury, you can, have... can you? Um, so, uh, where are we? 1972, um, the San Francisco Examiner ran a piece on Synanon. Who are yeah. these weird guys? It doesn't seem something doesn't seem quite right about them. They've all got shaved heads. Yeah. Little side note, um George Lucas for a film that he was doing uh-huh. was looking for loads of extras with shaved heads. So he got hold of Synanon and loads of Synanon people became extras in his movie because they all had shaved heads. What movie was that? I forgot to write it down. Oh okay, sorry I didn't ask you that question then. But it can be found. So uh, in these 1,700 people, they had a legal staff of 48 people. So they've got all these professionals in. Some of them are lawyers. They always get a private jet and then a big run of lawyers, don't exactly. they, these leaders? Wow. So they sued the San Francisco Examiner for defamation or whatever the other yep. equivalent is um, and won $2.6 million. Oh, God, okay. Because, you know, outwardly... Well, I guess it's all inference, isn't it, that there's something a bit weird about... Yeah, yeah. Um, and incorporating this thing into a church made it easier for Chuck to explain why no one could ever leave. Because you don't graduate, you don't finish religion. Oh, that is smart. And again, quite kitten-like. Yes, exactly. You can never cross the bridge. Mm -hmm. Was that too much? (laughs) That was too much. Edit that out. Okay. 
Co-op at Christmas. Lovely. Other supermarkets with tat are available. <laughs> um, so they were just they were having they were playing playing a game as as usual. Oh, John's looking at his little sound device. What's going on here? <laughs> um, say say that again. They were doing they were what? Playing a game. <laughs> as that because I remember I've said a change has occurred. Oh no, I'm sorry. Yeah. Inappropriate. So Chuck is taking part in this game. He's the, the person that they were shouting at. Um, and when he was trying to respond to these criticisms, a female member of the group kept interrupting him and kept putting him back down. Oh no. Um, and Chuck got so furious. I mean, if you've looked at the picture of him, please head over to our Instagram and have a look. Um, you can imagine this man proper getting all gammony and worked up. <laughs> Chuck stands up uh, and just pours a full can of root beer over this lady's head. Oh, that's nobody. What nobody wants to drink root beer. Nobody wants to have it poured over them. It's sticky, right? Sorry, Especially American in the 70s. listeners, but it's gross. No, he's not wrong. Um, and so he broken the rule. Oh, of course. The rule of no violence and no threat of violence. Nothing had ever been physical before this point. Oh, so wow. We started in 1958. That's, what, four, th- 13, 15 years without any... <laughs> edit that. I'm Let's just actress, do that I'm again. I'm a mathematician. No, I'm not going to edit it, John. Okay. I'm proud of my mistake. Um, am I? So, he, yeah, so they've been 15 years, nothing had gone wrong, and Chuck was the first one to break the rule. Oh... Um, so that everyone kind of had a little step back. Yeah, I bet. People either had to kind of get on with it or leave. They had to just accept that that's what had happened and move on. Uh, so remember what I'd said about these juvenile sentences as well. Yep. So these How kids, juvenile are we talking? Teenage. Yeah, okay. Teenage. Well, any, you know, any uh, young offender that might be sentenced to a rehabilitation yeah, yeah. or to a um, custodial sort of yeah. sentence. Um so these these kids weren't voluntary members of this group, whereas everyone else had volunteered to go and join this group. Yeah, Addicts yeah, had gone had... to join for rehab. Non-addicts or squares had joined voluntarily. Yeah. These children had been sentenced there. They didn't want to be there. And so the adults knew them as the punk squad. Punks? Oh, <laughs> I, if there's a squad I want to be in, yeah. it's punk squad. Exactly. Um... So they they didn't want to be there. They didn't want to play the game. They didn't want to do it. And whenever they rebelled, remember I said a change had occurred? Oh, no. They started getting beaten. Oh, well, because they can't give them a haircut anymore, I suppose. They can't give them a haircut because they've shaved their heads already. Chuck, no. Uh, So this, it's just suddenly, you know, it climbed up and up and up, going all nicely-ish. And then suddenly it just smashes down to the ground. Everything starts going a bit haywire. Um, so they they beat these teenagers, these young people, um, and God. the older members. 
the you know the members who've been there for 10 or 15 years who'd known it as a peaceful community yeah had to either accept it and move with the times or they would be what's called gained out of the group oh that doesn't sound so fun they'd be a member of the game and they just wouldn't they wouldn't come back from it basically they just no you've what you win i'm a terrible person i'll go wow and unlike a lot of groups um chuck wasn't against people leaving Okay. He, he Which, just, just as well, because it sounds like on quite a regular basis, people are yeah, exactly. gunning for he, the exit. He obviously thought they were stupid. He called them splitties. And he'd, oh, okay, you know, there we go on our, on our cult checklist. That's yep, another, it yeah. became very us, them, we, they sort of thing at this point. Um, so now Chuck's, Chuck's going, oh, we've got this punk squad. They're here. We can't do anything about them being here because it's court mandated. Um I think having children here is too much effort. So he forced men to have vasectomies and any pregnant women in the group at the time were made to have abortions. Ooh, okay. And um, out of all the all these members, from what I could find, Chuck was the only man who wasn't made to have a vasectomy. Of course. He didn't have any more children because he was older. No. But he was the only one who got away with that. He didn't take one for the team, stick. as it were. Nope. He would also start doing, to, to encourage people to be healthy, he'd start doing nude weigh-ins. So you'd have to go and take off all your clothes and it would be another point of humiliation. That God, I was going to say, this is not... Yeah. No, this we is were not good for your self-image. Uh, Jesus. Mm-hmm. So this go, it goes on like this for a bunch of years throughout the mid-70s. In 1977, Chuck's wife Betty died. Oh, Betty. She was an older lady, you know, so just I couldn't find how she died, yeah. but very Sorry, sad. Betty. Betty died. So Chuck took applications for a new wife. <laughs> <laughs> Again, in no way like the kittens, allegedly. Um, no. Okay, so that's a fun application for him to fill out, yeah, isn't it? He's age 64. He's looking for a new wife. Cool. He had six applications. You think it would be, you know... You know, this guy's got a fleet of badgers and a fleet of <laughs> ships. You think there'd be a bit more interest? No, six. And he picked the 31-year-old who was... She was a, a teacher. Cool. Um, she sounds nice. And he was like, hang on, this is amazing. I I had a wife and now I've got a new wife and she's younger <laughs> and she's great. So I think all the married couples we've got should split up and pick new partners. So they had 230 married couples who were forced to be divorced. Remember, they got this team of lawyers. Oh, God. And people would bid to have, you know, they would auction off 10 divorces at a time to the highest bidder. And so it was all this kind of frenzied, Chuck's got divorced, we've all got to get divorced now, sort of. Oh, God. Yep. Um, And then they were encouraged to uh, do the same thing every three years. Swap wow. partners. And again, did you have to then apply for a new <laughs> partner or did you self-select or did... Wow. Yeah. What a horrific process. Yes. Can you imagine living in a community with your husband or your wife and then you... And then you they go, oh, no, you're not... You've got to get divorced. You'd be like, oh, but I really like them. <laughs> they're, my, they're like my actual favourite. Again, it's just such a big red flag. Yeah. And it did, you know, it did wow. cause people to leave. Yeah. Because it would. Um, I'm sure it would for you, it would for me. Yeah. Um, uh, God. So there, there are still children in this group. There are still new people joining and that sort of thing. Uh, 
in and out. Um, but these, the, so the children were encouraged to join in the game from the age of four. Oh no, Chuck! So no. imagine a little four-year-old, and you've got all these grown-ups shouting at them, giving them abuse, and so children would just run away. Yeah. Which is good. Good. Go, children. You run away. Run as fast as you can um, from all this verbal and physical abuse and ranchers, farm owners near yeah. the, the badger complex. <laughs> badger um, would. <laughs> <laughs> it's not helpful, Chuck, that you've named that. Maybe that's why it's named yeah. that so that you can't. No, the place is named seriously. Badger. No, I know. Town. I know. Chuck didn't name it. No, but why you base yeah. yourself there? Because then, you know, that reaction happens. <laughs> um, but they, they'd hear children scream and they'd hear runaways and they'd, you know, they'd get these, get, pick up these kids sort of thing and they would report it to the, yeah. the Badger Sheriff's Office. I'm, I'm really sorry. It's very serious and I feel really yeah. awful for these children. But I am now just picturing a Badger dressed as a sheriff. <laughs> <laughs> But that's um, my problem, not anyone else's. But the sheriff was paid off by Chuck. Oh. And both of the sheriff's deputies were Synanon members. Oh, no. Jesus. Um, so we're in the late 70s, uh, 1977. The Synanon police became known as the Imperial Marines. Ooh. Which is very Star Wars. Yeah. Um, and they practice a special martial art that they called Sinodo. Like Judo. Yeah, Sinodo. Maybe they thought Judo was just for Jewish people. Sinodo. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Sinodo became their thing. Karate is just for people called Kara. That's how it works, I think. Um, and around 1977, so there was this um, uh, local newspaper called the Point Reyes Light who um, eventually they won a Pulitzer Prize for continuing to cover Synanon okay. throughout what's going to happen in a minute. Yeah, it's quite I a long time that mm-hmm. you know shit is going down with this group. Then. Yeah, yeah, we're we're pretty much twenty years in now. And I guess are they less under regulation now because they've become a religion and a charity? I guess yep. they're not regulated. Not that they were much before, but in the same way for that reason. Yeah, yeah. So they're, they're exempt from a lot of separation of church and state and all that sort of stuff. They, you know, they're allowed to pretty much do what they want. Um, so this uh, point where as light revealed that the Synanon Foundation had bought three hundred thousand dollars worth of guns and ammunition. Oh no! Oh, America! When will you realise guns aren't the answer? I wonder how many listeners are going to lose because I say that. Edit that out. No, I won't. It's true. <laughs> Um, in 1977, we've got a hero. Love a good hero. Excellent. A man named Paul Morantz. Sorry, I assumed his gender. A person named Paul Morantz. Well done, Paul. Uh, who was an attorney in Los Angeles. And he started fighting Synanon on behalf of families who believed that their family member had been kept there against their will. Oh, okay. Or they had been brainwashed. So Morantz was the lawyer fighting for those people. Um... In the September of 1977, he won a $300,000 lawsuit against Synanon for abduction and brainwashing. So he actually proved it. Yeah. Did well. Great. I guess that's the peak sort of deprogramming coming in as an idea time as well, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Um, This made Chuck very upset. Sorry, Chuck. Um, And he went back uh, home to Badger and announced on The Wire their new religious posture. Is it, is it just going to be like, like this? 
<laughs> John is doing a very casual lean. It's not. It's the opposite of a casual lean. No, no. More like a hacker pose. <laughs> um, so he said, "We're done with the with the old old religious posture that we were with before. We're nothing like that anymore." I've got a big quote. <clears throat> he said. Don't mess with us. You can get killed, literally dead. I am quite willing to break some lawyer's legs and next break his wife's legs and threaten to cut their child's arm off. That is the end of that lawyer. That is a very satisfactory, humane way of transmitting information. I really do want an ear in a glass of alcohol on my desk. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. There's something about the, the syntax of that that reminds me of a certain orange president as well. Yes. Um, So, yes, suddenly violence was encouraged. Uh, The following month, in October of 1977, uh, Paul Morantz was bitten by a four-foot rattlesnake that had been left in his postbox. Yikes. He spent six days in hospital. He nearly died, but he didn't die. Well done, Paul. Yay! Oh, yeah, I should have said at the beginning, this is a death-free episode, or a murder-free episode. Oh, wow. Yeah! Um, and two imp- two of the Imperial Marines were um, accused of conspiracy to murder. Yeah. So this happened to Paul, and they got who did it. That's incredible, actually, when you think about it, yeah. Yeah, especially in the 70s, like, for them to care that much, sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So all this meant that more people started to take notice of what was going on. This is weird, this is weird, this lawyer's been hurt, blah, blah, blah. Um, so Time Magazine and NBC ran pieces on Synanon and about Morantz's story. Uh, okay, great. Um, and using, you know, former members to give testimony. Oh God, yeah, I must be, there must be quite a few by then, I mm-hmm. guess, that are around. And... Yep, yep, the group's starting to shrink. Not that much, not as much as you'd hope, but it always seems to be the way, doesn't it, when they're indoctrinated into It's just that. going through that process of... That's what I always wonder about the most, I guess, with these groups of like, okay, well, this actually is all fine and nice, and oh, but then actually this thing's a bit weird, but I'm going to stay. And now the leader who said there can't be any violence is now being violent, yeah. but I'm going to stay. And now I have to split up from my partner and you know marry somebody else every three years, but I'm going to stay. And now we're beating teenagers, but I'm still going to... The people that go through that process and don't... But then to look at yeah. it in a wider perspective... That sort of thing happens with governments, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, and, absolutely. You know, oh, I accept that the, that my that my country's leader is going to do this. Yeah. Oh, what? They're separating families at a border. Okay, but he's still doing that. Yeah, you know? yeah. It, well, and and it's always rationalised, isn't it? So it's always. Yeah. Yeah, it's always treated as this is a rational way to deal with this problem, but the whole problem and concept is the thing that's made up. But yes, yeah. wow. exactly. So that's when you can, you know, it's what you allow to happen will continue to happen, isn't it? God. So, um, as I said, Time and NBC had uh, run pieces about Synanon, um, and because of that, their uh, executives received death threats. Uh, a former member who'd spoken out to Time and NBC found his guard dog hanged outside his house. Yeah. That's sad. Very sad. So we're at the end of 1977 now. John's just seen him in the last page of my notes. Hold on. I'm picking up my book now because so John can't see the secret thing. <laughs> I can't read from here. <laughs> yeah. um, while Sam picks up her book, I'm changing out of my um, uh, brown uh, autumnal com- colours 
uh, 70s clothes and I'm starting to put on my neon coloured 80s clothes and apply mm. 80s eyeliner. That's what I'm doing just so we get the time period right. Good. Yeah, you look just right. Proceed. Uh, I'm sorry that you've just made all that effort to take off your 70s garb. We're in 1978. Oh, well, I'm just ahead of my time. You're ahead of your time. But in 1978, Jonestown, the Jonestown massacre occurs. And so this is a, a major turning point for a lot of cult groups, yes. isn't it? A lot yeah. of cult groups suddenly... Go, oh, look, they've done that, yeah. Yeah, suddenly authorities go, oh, we don't want what happened in Guyana to happen here. Um, and so within days of... Uh, Jones, the Jonestown massacre. Synanon was raided. Oh, cool! But by the by the FBI, by mm-hmm. yeah, incriminating uh, material was found. I bet. Uh, like his, um, like the recording of what he said on the wire about killing. Oh, of lawyer. course. Um, but Chuck wasn't found. <laughs> He'd gone somewhere else. Chuck off was... on a, one of his private jets or fleet of boats or riding a badger off into the sunset. Or to a different property in Arizona. Okay. Um, and Chuck was found by police sitting slumped at a desk with a big bottle of whiskey in front of him. So Chuck, the inspirational AA speaker, the person who was, you know... Had been an alcoholic still all along. Had always been, yeah. He'd, he'd gone through some sober periods, but he'd drunk. Wow. He was still a drunk. Uh, he was arrested. He wasn't given jail time, but he was... How old was he then by that uh, point? 1965. Uh, okay. Uh, I love when I can answer a question. It's so quick it. as well. Oh, I've researched and everything. You're welcome, listener. Um, he was given five years probation, but as part of his probation, he could no longer run Synanon. Okay. Synanon's still going. Still going, still... That's, that's a real, given that level of threat to other people and mm-hmm. the other things that we know happen, that is nothing, is it? No. But, he'd, you know, he'd not committed... He'd not hurt anyone, not murdered anyone, tipped kind of root beer over someone, but he'd not so. personally... But, like, done. overseeing the beatings and things, but I guess... Yeah, but I guess it's hard to work that as evidence, necessarily. yeah. Um, so, we've got... So we're going to go to kind of 1980 now. A lot of my information has come from an article. This is what I wanted to tell you about earlier <laughs> in the week. An article called I Am a Cultist Two Times Over. Oof. Written by a lady called Laura Johnston Cole. She has a good name. Yeah. I really recommend going to the website. Oh, no, I'll tell you about it in a second. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Laura Johnston Cole. Um, so the, we're in 1980 now. The group's got 11 years left on it. It closes in 1991. Yep. 11 years left of this group. Um, the group starts moving towards being for profit. Okay. Now, it starts acknowledging that it's making lots of money with these gimmicks, yeah. with these people. It starts gradually going, oh, we're making money. Let's keep making money and being less... Religiously and less... Okay. Without Chuck running it anymore, it's being run by elders of the group. Yeah. You know, they want to be able to earn money from it. Yes, yeah, okay. And, and you know, the residents of the group want to start being able to earn their own money yeah. too. So it loses its uh, tax exemption. Laura Johnston Cole was a member of Jonestown. And she was one of the few people that was away in Guyana's capital on the day of the massacre. <sighs> so you, you hear about those few people. Whoa. 
Laura Johnston Cole then got back to the States and she was traumatised and she needed somewhere to go that would be safe. So she joined Synanon. Oh, God. Wow. So she was in... She was in Jonestown for 10 years and then she was in Synanon for the last kind of 10 or 11 years of its... Oh, bless existence. her. God. So she... But she, she's written this fantastic article about it where she compares Chuck to Jim Jones. Oh, okay. In like a sort of Venn diagrammy way um, and their attitudes towards sex and family. And yeah the group itself so I really really recommend reading her um, article I said it was called I am a cultist two times over and it's on jonestown.sdsu.edu please go and give it a read because it's a really 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 good article Um, wow yeah and also sort of in terms of the the sort of the luck run of it to have you know not been at Jonestown as that was happening and then really to join that group because it sounds like if he hadn't been raided at that point, it was going to a pretty dark yeah. place. Exactly. And um, then she's, yeah. Wow, lucky. So with having lost Chuck from the, from the uh, leadership of the group, um, and as I said, this kind of turning away from religion, it being a religion, uh, it lost its tax exemption. Um, the IRS sued them for back taxes. Ooh. Yeah. For uh, twenty-five years of back taxes. Ooh. Well, that's you over then, isn't it? Really, that's a pretty much. Um, so their assets at the time were up to fifty million dollars. Um, so they gradually started having to sell off their properties, and it got smaller and smaller and yeah, smaller. Yeah. And then eventually, in nineteen ninety-one, it closed its doors. Synanon. While I was researching, uh, Synanon members stay in touch with each other. I found a website that you had to be an ex-Synanon member to log into. Oh, okay. So they still talk, they share their experiences, their memories of it. Because obviously it must have done good things for some people. Yeah, yeah, I now, guess so if you They, they yeah. can't live in that facility anymore. So that's it. Whoa. It's, that's the end of it. A bit of a ending. No, no, it's fascinating. Thank you, Sam. That the, was the Jonestown great. connection. Yeah. When I found it, I was like, oh my God. I messaged John, like, I've got to tell you something crazy. I can't tell but you. But I yet. can't. Um, Chuck, if you want to know what happens to Chuck. Yes, in the I end, do. Uh, he stayed married to that lady, the 31 year old lady he married when he was 64 years old. Okay. Um, until 1997, when he died in Vesalia, California. Okay. That's it. Wow. That's the end of the end of Synanon. But in the same way that you get kind of Heaven's Gate survivors and that sort of thing. Well, that's what I was thinking. It's like it, there must be. I'm sure in some way, maybe not with that name or explicitly, there are little groups of them still. Yes. Together and hanging out. So and there is still a Synanon house in Germany. Oh. We're just please, German groups. listeners, please don't take this wrong, but sh- haven't we heard lots of stories where these groups end up having... A, they, yeah. If they leave America, they tend to go to Germany. I yeah. don't know what that um, is about. They uh, So various members uh, started their own rehabilitation facilities, and I forgot to write down the name, and I'm really sorry, but there are some that are very successful um, and functional, and they're yeah. not at all like this. They're actual functional... Therapeutic. So they've sort of taken the best bits of it out. Exactly, yeah. Um, and so people from this group have gone on to really help people. Yeah. Which is nice. Oh, yeah, Yay, that's positive. cool. Positive, well done, surviving members. Um, yeah. 
Uh, so my information for today's episode came from an article in Cabinet magazine, uh, Wikipedia, of course. Uh, a real York change Times. from their usual furniture-based <laughs> material. <laughs> um, yeah, the New York Times and uh, a couple of articles I read from Laura Johnston Cole, who is a survivor. She's amazing. Well, amazing. what an incredible, yeah. yeah, what an incredible set of experiences to have and survive and yeah, and be able to reflect on. Exactly. Oh, and we're just about to hit an hour. Oh. I thought I was going to have to edit loads yeah. of this out, but it seems like we can keep it all in. Yeah, just cut the ums. Um, <laughs> that is, yeah, that is just amazing. It's bonkers, though, isn't it? That particularly sixties and seventies things of just groups that were like, oh, just have some LSD. Yeah, I'm thinking about all those, like even like regulated psychiatric institutions or universities where they were just like, um, so we're going to take these really damaged people, give them some LSD, chuck them in a room together, and just see what, yeah, see exactly. what happens. With with no, yeah, no care about what's going to happen to them after it happens. That's yeah, completely crazy. But in the you know in this time in America, you've got the hippie movement, you've got the Vietnam War so from the late fifties ish, um, and you know that kind of movement away from that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, people looking for some sort of answers. I guess people who've been either were children during the Second World War, or you know their parents were in the Second World War, like yeah, looking yeah. for answers. And I guess there's an interesting thing, isn't there? As society sort of opens up. And, you know, new things are tried and lots of old order is... It's interesting, lots of these groups kind of go, OK, well, we're going to try drugs and free love and stuff. Yeah, yeah, and, sexual revolution. But we're still then going to match that with the sort of quite traditional rules, authoritarian yeah. stuff of the 50s that we've also sort of rejected. It feels like there's a bit of a pattern where they sort of swing into freedom and then try and build a model that puts those two things... yeah together somehow yeah they still need that structure but it's like well yeah it's drugs and free love but also we're going to be really strict about this aspect of our yeah. lives or it's going to be a peace and love commune but we're going to be strict in this but you've got to have this haircut yeah yeah, yeah. crazy so that was that was Synanon how would you would you join Synanon five times weekly aerobics and <laughs> no, I, I told you for, for that and beating people in, no I wouldn't Sam would you no no I did uh, something similar to the game at drama school when uh, you you know the person sat in the middle and everyone in the room had to tell them something they didn't like about them and you just had to listen and you weren't allowed to respond and then you go round the circle again and you had to say something you did like about them okay well at least that's got a positive bolt onto it I guess yeah but the first half of that is horrible and I can't imagine how awful it must have been for this that to be you know Happening to be in a vulnerable so often. position and have that happen so often as well and that's so weird as an acting thing as well it's like because your job is about your role being somebody else yeah. then it feels like criticism of what you're doing for that or the way you're portraying that or the way you're doing the task or you know like be, I can understand why you'd want to do that maybe for like you should know no matter what character you play you always sort of wink with your left that kind of yeah. t you know knowing your own ticks and things but when it's then just put about you personally about you, yeah. I don't see how that's weird sort of self-examination do you feel like it helped you Sam or was it just miserable I do feel like it helped actually okay. it, it made made our group much closer and uh, okay, interesting. And and it meant that you, you know, I'm a fairly 
neurotic person and it meant that I knew when I was pissing someone off because they told me what it was that I did that annoyed them. That's a good culture, I suppose, to... But I don't know if the the Synanon game would have had that same kind of positive... Well, no, it doesn't sound like it has any positive, yeah. Yeah. Um, But uh, Laura Johnston-Cole had written some amazing, like, testimonials about being part of the game, which was still going in these last 10 years of it. It was still their their rehab methods. Yikes. What a good find. I hadn't heard of that at all. Thanks, John. Lovely. Thank you, Sam. Um, And thank you, listeners. Um, If you've uh, enjoyed this and us, uh, please do... uh, like and subscribe and do all of that fun uh, stuff uh, if you can uh, rate us or leave a comment on itunes we would be eternally grateful like our wonderful listener phoebe who wrote us our one and only review so far so thank you phoebe if you're still listening now um we're very grateful and we hope you enjoyed this episode um you can also find us on uh, facebook and twitter and instagram always coffee and cults uh, so please do uh, join us there we'll have uh, photos um of the kind of people and groups that we've been describing and extra little uh, treats when we can do them uh, so yeah please do uh, let us know what's going on and uh, if you've enjoyed the episode if there's a group that you'd like us to focus on next time or maybe the time after that because we're going to be recording two episodes today um, please email us at coffeeandcults at gmail.com um, please get in touch because we'd love to hear from you thank you it. very much uh, <laughs> cheers uh, enjoy your coffee don't enjoy a cult no that can't be the end of the episode hang on leave a pause there <laughs> thank you very much goodbye thank you love you bye <laughs>